You are listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pittsfield campus. Amen. God's favor. Isn't it good that we get to experience God's favor? <clears throat> well, so Kathy, how, how great is it that you have a pastor who tells you that she's modeling failure for you? <laughs> right? So we can all fail together. And then... And then she says that in the, with youth, we're flying by the seat of our pants. It's like, you're letting all the secrets out. They think we got it all together, and we don't. Not supposed to tell them. Well, I'm glad that you're here with us, even though we do fail, and sometimes we do go by the seat of our pants. Uh, but I'm glad you're here, and we love you guys very, very much. And uh, we've experienced, or I think we've kind of had a resurgence of feeling that love for you as we were gone for a little bit over the past few weeks. But it sure is good to be back. It sure is good to be back, especially since it's not winter. But it's good to be back. <clears throat> so we're talking about God's favor, and we're going to continue with that today. And last week we talked about um, how really just the gospel, the, the fact that Jesus came and lived and died and was resurrected and he, he's our savior, he brings salvation to us, that's God's favor, right? Anything on top of that is gravy, huh? I mean, that's, that, it doesn't get a lot better than that. He wants his very best for us, all of us, all the time, that God wants, wants his best for us, and he wants his favor to be on us. And today, we're going to talk about everybody's favorite thing, money. <laughs> we got one hallelujah. Amen. It's funny, though, how, how we can talk, you know, last week we talked about God's favor and how the, his favor comes to us through the gospel and through what Jesus did and through the, the death and burial and resurrection. And, but then we can so easily get into the mindset that, that really, if God really shows his favor on us, it's going to show up how? Through wealth. He's going to make us rich. He's going to give us financial blessing. He's going to give us all these great financial things. If we're good enough or if we're religious enough, surely God's going to favor me. And if God favors me, that means I'm going to be rich, right? We can so easily get there, but I don't think that is right. I don't think that's the way it works. I don't think uh, God is nearly as, as uh, concerned about our financial status as he is about our eternal status and our relational status with him. So it's important, it's important for us to know that, that God does value us, though. He, does, he, he, he has great value in us. He doesn't value our bank account. He doesn't value uh, our religious uh, standing or how religious we are. He, value, he values us. Just like I was talking about earlier, he, we're a child of God and he's proud of us and he wants to, to shower us with his very best. He cares about us. He cares about our soul. He cares about our eternity. He cares about our identity of who we are and who he's made us to be. Well, I'm aware, very well aware that we're talking about money today and most people the very last thing they want to hear is a preacher telling them how to spend their money or what to do with their money, right? You can go ahead and admit it. That's not what we're looking for. <clears throat> we don't want a preacher telling us what to do with our money. And I'll confess and say that as far as Kathy and me, our personal finances, she does all that. So I don't handle the money. So who am I to tell you what to do with yours when I kind of rely on Kathy <laughs> to take care of ours? So whether we're excellent at handling money or whether we're maybe not so excellent or handling, at handling our money. Uh, we just, most of us don't want the preacher telling us what to do with our money. So I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to tell you what to do with your money today. Everybody just go, oh. 
yeah, take a sigh of relief, because I can respect that. I can respect the fact that uh, you don't want me telling you what to do with your money. However, God does talk about money a whole lot in his word. He really does. So our goal today is, is to ignore what I think or what anyone else thinks you should do with your money and to look at some of the things that God says about money and how it fits into our lives and how it fits into our eternity and how it fits in our relationship with him. So let's make a deal today. I won't tell you what to do with your money and you can listen to me and I'll tell you some truths from scripture about money and about life and about eternity. Deal? All right, so we'll go with that. So you, don't, you can take your hand off your wallet now, guys. You know, don't, don't hold it too tight because not, we're not taking another offering today. I'll go ahead and tell you that up front. We're not taking another offering today. <laughs> so, but let's go right into Scripture then. Let's go to the book of Mark. The book of Mark. Isn't it funny how when the preacher talks about money, everybody gets a little antsy? I've been there. I understand. So Mark chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 17 and and go through verse 31 and read about the rich young man. So the scripture says, and and as he, Jesus, was setting out on his journey, a man ran ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these have I kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. And Peter began to say to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now and now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions. Ooh, with persecutions. He added that, huh? And in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. So the story of the rich young ruler the rich young man, and if you've been in church very long, you've probably heard this story, and maybe you kind of aren't that crazy about it. Maybe you use your black highlighter over some of the verses because you don't like Because Jesus told this man to sell everything you have, basically give everything you have away. And this man was rich, and that's what Jesus' instructions to him were. 
So there's more to the story, though, I think. There's, as we look at it, and, and hopefully today we can take just a little different perspective on it and see what Jesus was saying to this man and see how much Jesus cared for this man, how much Jesus loved this man. He wasn't trying to hurt him by taking his money away from him. He loved him, and he wanted his eternity to be set. He wanted his relationship to, with God to be set, and he wanted that to be more important than money to this man. So first we see... But this rich man came. He came running to Jesus, and he knelt at his feet, right? That's the very first part of the story. He, he ran up to him and knelt before him. Why would a rich man, why would a rich ruler, and, and the term ruler in this scripture, it kind of it indicates that this guy probably had some position in the synagogue or the temple. He had some religious position, some religious authority, some religious influence. He was a religious man, and he was also rich. So why would he come to Jesus? This Jesus who was homeless, right? Jesus was homeless. He was a man who had no place to lay his head. In Luke 9, 58, it says that Jesus, Jesus himself was saying, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus was a common man. He wasn't a rich man. He wasn't a, a, a necessarily like a, a handsome man, a good-looking man. In Isaiah 53, where it talks about Jesus, it says he had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. Yet this rich young ruler, this man who was rich, had influence in the church, in the temple, in the synagogue there, he ran to this homeless, itinerant preacher, fell on his knees, knelt down in front of him. Why would he do that? Why would he do that? What was he seeking from Jesus? Well, he was very direct in what he was seeking from Jesus. He said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Scripture tells us in the book of Ecclesiastes that eternity is set in our hearts for all of us. That, that we all have that longing, that desire, that, that wonder, that uh, uh, desire in our heart of eternity. And what, What's it like and how can we find eternity in our hearts? And so he came to Jesus with this question, this rich man. He was very religious, he was very rich, and he came to Jesus. In first century Jerusalem at this time, also, that uh, if you were wealthy, then people thought you had God's favor. That was kind of an equivalent thing. Wealthy equals God's favor. God's favor e equals wealthy. So this man who was wealthy, he was religious. Surely he was favored by God, right? Surely God favored this man. But yet he still sought out this homeless, itinerant preacher, and said, Jesus, good teacher, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And so when, just, just in this short piece of the story, we, we can see a couple of very important points, very important topics, very important things that we can look at. First of all, having wealth, it doesn't mean that we have God's favor. It doesn't mean that we have all the answers. This man who was very wealthy, had lots of money, had lots of possessions, he didn't know the answers to the questions of life. He didn't know the answers to, about eternity. This man's wealth only emphasized the longing in his heart for something more, something eternal, something meaningful in his heart, something that money can't buy, something that money can't acquire. And then secondly, that, that having wealth doesn't satisfy us. Wealth won't satisfy us. Folks, it doesn't matter how much money you have, there's going to be somebody who has more. 
It doesn't matter how many possessions you have. There's going to be things that you want more. There's going to be that next big thing. The the iPhone 7 is going to be here. And then the iPhone 8. And they're going to keep going. And we're going to want this stuff. And that in itself isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's not a sinful thing. But it's not going to satisfy us. Having these things, having this wealth, it's not going to satisfy us. This man's wealth and position didn't fill that spot in his heart that he knew was empty. That spot in his heart that was longing for eternity. That's why he came to Jesus. That's why he came to this preacher to ask him. So even though this this man's bank account was full, his heart was empty. His bank account was full and his heart was empty. He learned a lot about money in this exchange with Jesus. He learned a lot. He learned that money can buy a bed, but money can't buy sleep. Money can buy a church chair, but money can't buy salvation. Money can buy a lot of things, but it can't buy those eternal things that we know that are missing in our heart. Money can't buy those things. And now, let's look at how does Jesus respond to this guy? What's Jesus' response to him? Well, first we see that the rich man called him what? Good teacher. He called him good teacher. And and Jesus replied, why do you call me good? I'm an itinerant preacher. I walk around the countryside. I preach, do a few miracles. Why do you call me good? And Jesus, his implication was that the only way that you can call me good, Jesus is saying, the only way you can call me good is to acknowledge that I'm God because there is none good except God. So the only way you're going to come to me and kneel before me and ask me this question and call me good is to acknowledge that I'm God. I'm God. And Jesus also saw that this man, he assumed that that he could obtain eternal life by keeping the commandments. He had been working all of his life to keep these commandments. These ten commandments and the law that, that comes after it. This man says that he kept them all from his youth. And Jesus listed, uh, when Bob preached the other day, he talked about the four commandments that deal with God and the six commandments and the two, the two different tablets. And Jesus listed these six commandments. And, and this guy says, yep, I've done all those ever since I was a kid. Now, if I was Jesus, I think I might have challenged him on that. Because I don't think he kept all the commandments. Do you? Do you think he never got mad at his dishonored his parents, his mother or father, or maybe he stole a piece of candy from the store or something? But he said, I kept all these from my youth. Ever since I was a kid, I kept all these commandments. And Jesus loved him. Jesus loved him. He didn't challenge him on this point because this wasn't the real point. This wasn't the real thing that Jesus wanted to challenge him on. This was just kind of a side thing. Okay, 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 you've kept these Ten Commandments. So by by doing this, by claiming that he had kept these commandments ever since he was a child, he still, though, he still came to Jesus because something was missing. He still came to Jesus because he knew that he couldn't find eternal life by keeping that law, by keeping those rules, by keeping those commandments. We don't find fulfillment in that spot in our hearts. We don't find fulfillment in that spot in our lives by keeping the Ten Commandments, by keeping the law. As a matter of fact, we can read in Romans 3.20, the law really, what its purpose is for us, is to show us that we can't. We can't work our way to heaven. We can't be good enough to heaven because we're not going to keep all of the law. We're not going to keep all the law. In Romans 3.20, it says, For by works of the law, no human being will be satisfied in his sight. 
since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So the law, the Ten Commandments, are there to show us that we are sinners, right? I can't keep all this, this law. I can't keep all these commandments. I can't keep all these things that the church expects me to do. I'm going to fail at some of them, right? So these Ten Commandments, this law shows us our need for something more. It shows us our need for a relationship with Jesus, a relationship with God, a relationship with our Savior. The commandments that this man claimed to uphold, they're there to show us and to tell us that we can't find a relationship with God by keeping a set of rules. The commandments and the rules that we try to uphold in our lives won't satisfy us. We can try and we can try and we can try to be good enough. We can try and we can try and we can try to keep these rules and keep these laws. And the only thing that we're going to find in ourselves is disappointment. We're going to disappoint ourselves because we're going to fail. We're going to fail. It's human nature. But ever since the fall of Adam and Eve, we have that sinful nature. We're going to fail at that. So we're always going to be disappointed if we try to find our way to God through being good enough, through keeping the commandments, through keeping the rules. We're always going to be disappointed in ourselves. We're always going to feel condemned because Satan's going to tell us, right? He's going to tell us, you can't keep the whole law. You're not good enough. God doesn't want you. Jesus doesn't want you. So there's got to be more. There's got to be more than keeping these rules. There's got to be more than keeping these laws, these commandments. So we know that wealth, wealth doesn't supply all the answers to us, right? Because this man was wealthy and he didn't have the answer. Wealth sure doesn't satisfy us. And good works, keeping these commandments, keeping these rules, those aren't the way to eternity because this man acknowledged that right here in front of Jesus as he knelt before him, asking about eternity, but yet claiming to keep all these commandments. So we know that none of us are good enough. None of us are good enough to do enough good works to get us to heaven, to get us to eternity with Jesus. Jesus said, there's none good except God. There's none good except God. And that means you, rich young ruler. That means me. That means all of us. That means all of us. So what's the lesson that Jesus gave this young man? What's the lesson that he gave him? Well, we all know, and we all, that's the lesson we don't want to hear about, right? He told him to sell everything he has and give it all away. He told him to sell it all and give it all away. So is that the answer? Is is that the answer for me? Is that the answer for you? Is that the answer for all of us? We all just need to sell everything we have and give it all away. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that was the answer for this rich young ruler. And I think there's answers for all of us that we need to explore and we need to look at in our own hearts of what Jesus wants in us, how he wants us to submit to him, how he wants us to be humble, like we talked about last week with humility and submission to him. He was testing this young man. Yes, he was testing him. God or money. Eternity with God or money. But that was a test for this man. This was, it was a test for him. But God asked all of us, where is our treasure? What do we treasure the most? What do we treasure the most? Do we treasure God? Do we treasure our relationship with him? Or do we treasure money? Or do we treasure pleasure? Do we, ple- do we treasure vacations or alcohol or drugs? What do we treasure the most? That's the test that a lot of us need to take today. That's the question that we all need to ask ourselves. What do we treasure? What are our treasures? It's so easy for money, 
for things, for events, for happenings to have such a grip on us that we become people who treasure those things instead of treasuring our relationship with the Lord. So then we can look in verses 23 to 31 where Jesus kind of changes um, his audience here. He starts talking to his disciples, right? It says, and Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom. So through this little dialogue Jesus had with his disciples in verses 24 through 31, we can find some very important and very practical lessons for all of us regarding our money, but even more importantly than that, regarding our hearts, regarding who we are, regarding our identity. Jesus said it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get to heaven. How easy is that? How easy is it for a camel to get through the eye of a needle? It's not going to happen, right? It's not going to happen. So that really, you know, it it says the disciples were um, exceedingly astonished. They were exceedingly astonished as he said this to them. How, Jesus? What what does that mean? What does that mean? Nobody, no camel is going to go through the eye of a needle. Then Jesus tells them the secret. He tells them the secret that's the key to it all. Nothing is impossible with God. The secret, the big key is that nothing is impossible with God. It's it's that not our works that's going to get us to heaven. It's not our money that's going to get us to heaven. It's not our religion or our status or our position in the church. It's only God's favor. It's only God's favor. The gospel, Jesus Christ, who has lived to show us how to live. He was crucified, he was buried, and he rose again. That's the only way. God's miracle. That's the miracle, right? The, eye, the, the, the camel going through the eye of a needle, that would be a pretty good miracle. But the miracle's already happened. Jesus, dying for our sin, defeating death, defeating the grave, resurrecting like we sang about. That's the secret. That's the key. That's how we can get eternity we don't want to try to shove a camel through a needle because that's not going to work and we're going to get pretty frustrated. But we can accept Jesus as, as our Savior and start following him and humbly submit to him. Then we see God's favor of the gospel. Then we know that our eternity is good. Then we know that, that our place in eternity, that, that God's favor is on us and that we'll have that peace in our heart, that, that empty spot that this man was, was feeling and talking about, we can know that it's filled because we have that relationship with Jesus. We have that, uh, that assurance in our heart that the Savior came and lived and died and was resurrected to show us favor, to show us his great favor. And it doesn't matter about our money. It doesn't matter about the things that we have. It's that favor, that miracle of salvation that makes all the difference in the world. That's the big key. That's the secret to finding our way to eternity. The secret to finding our way to eternity isn't trying to shove that camel through the needle. It's accepting the miracle of the gospel, the miracle of salvation, the miracle of God's favor on us. Okay, so now you're saying, well, this sermon was supposed to be about money. And all you've been talking about is eternity. Man's desire for eternity. And the empty space inside of us that we, we can't fill with money. We can't fill with even relig- religion. 
that empty spot where we need that relationship with God. So here's the deal with money. We'll get back to money. Here's the deal with it. Let's not trust our money or our wealth or our position or our religion to get us to heaven. Let's don't do that. Let's not trust in that because we'll, we'll be disappointed. We'll fail. Money will fail us. Money comes, money goes. So all of us, let's, let's commit that we're not going to trust in our bank account to bring us to eternity with Jesus. We're not going to trust our religion. We're going to trust Jesus. And when we trust Jesus, we don't need to trust in our bank account. Our bank account can be that thing that we have to have because we have to pay people to do things. We have bills. We have food to buy. So we have to have those mo- that money. But we're not going to trust in that money to be our, our salvation. We're not going to trust in that money to be our security. We're going to trust in Jesus. We're going to look forward at him and trust in him and know that the money part is going to be okay. This man knew that his money and his, his keeping of the Ten Commandments They only left him feeling empty. They only left him feeling lacking, disappointed. He knew. He knew when he came to Jesus. I'm convinced that he knew when he came to Jesus that those those weren't the answers, that that's not the answer. Money, wealth, religion, that's not the answer. I think he knew that. So he came to Jesus. He came to this poor itinerant preacher to find out what the secret to eternity was. And Jesus told him. Now, he did choose to walk away very sad. I like to think that maybe he thought about it (laughs) and he changed his mind and he did do what Jesus asked him to do because I like to think that he was touched by Jesus. He was understood by Jesus, but the scripture doesn't tell us, so I'm not going to make that conjecture, but I would like to think that. I'm a positive guy, but he walked away sad and Jesus loved him. Jesus loved him though. Jesus explained things to him, and and even though he claimed to keep all these commandments and all these laws, and Jesus probably in his heart was, I mean, in his mind was chuckling a little bit, Jesus loved him. But the man still walked away very sad because he did love his money and his status more than he wanted that eternal life, more than he wanted that spot filled in his heart. Money's a part of our lives. It's necessary. We have to have money. And of its own accord, money's not evil. Money's not evil. Money's just a thing. So today, Jesus, nor I, am going to ask you to sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Well, I'm not going to ask you to do that. Remember I told you, I'm not going to tell you what to do with your money. But I will tell you that your money is a tool. We all have it. Some have a little, some have a lot. And really, how much is a little and how much is a lot? Right? We're all well taken care of in this congregation. I see everybody has clothes on. Everybody's belly, they look pretty content that their belly must be full. We all need money. And there's nothing wrong with money. It's not bad. But it won't get us to heaven. We can't put our security in that. We can't put our security in money. We can't put our security in, nor nor in religion. We have to put our security and our trust in Jesus. So what's Jesus asking you to do with your money? Well, that's a very personal question. And this is a very personal answer. So I don't want to answer that for everyone here because I don't know the answer. All I know is I'm going to seek Jesus with Kathy for the answer for us of how he wants us to handle our money. We we try to seek him and, and do the things that he wants us to do with our money. 
But one thing I do know is that we're not going to trust our money for our security. We're not going to trust our money to identify who we are. We're going to trust in Jesus and we're going to follow him. But the real question here is that we can all evaluate our situation today and ask, ask God to show us, where's our treasure? Where is our treasure? We can ask him to lead us on, on how to use our money most effectively for his kingdom. And it's really, it's all for his kingdom. It's all his, right? Scripture tells us he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He created all of it. It's all his. It's all for his kingdom. The truth is, I have a lot more concern for your heart and where you stand for eternity than I do for your wallet and your money. I care about your heart more than I care about your money. You see, when, when you come to the place where you take up your cross and you follow Jesus every day, we're following him every day. We take up our cross, we follow Jesus every day. Our money's going to follow us as we follow Jesus, Right? You'll use it to build his kingdom. You'll even find tithing to be a joy. You'll see and understand generosity in a whole new and different way as we follow Jesus and our wallet follows us as we follow Jesus. The tool that he provides for you, money, money is a tool. It will flow out of your generosity. It'll flow out of the generosity of your heart. And the trust that we have in Jesus to know that it's not our money that that we need to trust in. So this generosity, this new generosity that will well up in us, it will flow. And out of the overflow of the eternity that God has placed in your heart and, and out of the overflow of the question of what should I do with my money, the answers become pretty easy. Because you'll know of the miracle of salvation. You know that it's not about shoving that camel through the eye of a needle. It's about the miracle of salvation, the miracle of Jesus overcoming death in the grave for us. You'll know that. And as you know that, then everything, everything takes on a new perspective. And the answer to the questions about what will I do with my money, what would Jesus have me do to my money, the answer can always be, I'm going to do whatever Jesus leads me to do. When Jesus leads me to be generous, I'm going to be generous. When Jesus leads me to tithe, I'm going to tithe. When Jesus leads me to see someone on the street who looks like they might need a little something, I'm going to take care of that need. Because we trust in Jesus and we follow him and we've experienced that miracle of salvation. If you experience that miracle of salvation. Some of us here, I know, you know that miracle of salvation then really the the whole money thing just comes down to what we talked about last week. Submission, humility, and a desire to know God and to follow God. Do we trust him enough? Do we trust the favor of the gospel? God's favor on us through the gospel. Do we trust that enough that we'll trust him with our money? You know, it's it's kind of funny that uh, I think Kelly mentioned it when she was talking about the offering. We trust God. We trust God with our eternity. We trust God with our very own soul, our very own salvation. But don't tell me what to do with my money. Because I don't trust God with my money. 
It's like the old picture back in the old days of the guy who was being baptized. He was a warrior, and he was getting baptized. He was becoming a Christian, but he held his sword up out of the water. He said, I'll submit everything to you, God, but I'm not going to submit my sword. I think today that the picture changes, and a lot of us, when we get baptized, we take our wallets out, and we hold that up, and we say, I'll submit everything to you, God, but I'm not going to submit this wallet. Trust him. Trust him. I'm not telling you what to do with your money. But I am asking you to trust Jesus, to trust God. Let him. The Holy Spirit is in us. The Holy Spirit is part of us. Listen to the Holy Spirit, and he'll guide you. He'll tell you when to be generous. He'll tell you when to give to someone who looks like they need a little help. Trust in him. Follow him. Listen to him. Submit to him. And the money thing really becomes a mood issue because we're following Jesus and we're trusting him. We trust the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. We trust the one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Why? Because he cares about your soul. Jesus cared about this man. Jesus loved him. Scripture tells us, the story tells us, Jesus looked at him and loved him. He cares about that. He wants your heart. He wants you to treasure nothing more than his favor. He wants you to treasure nothing more than what he's done for you already, what he's doing for you in your life now. Treasure that. There's a story in the Bible, in in the book of Matthew, about a man who, he found this pearl of great price. He found this thing. When he found it in this field, he covered it back up and kind of hid it and went back and sold everything he had so that he could have enough money to buy this this pearl, this, this gem of great price. That gem of great price, that's the gospel. That's God's favor. Are we willing to go and, and to give away all we have? Father, whatever, whatever it takes, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust you in everything, even with my wallet. When we're willing to do that, then God's favor continues on us because we're humble and we submit to him. So that's the way it is for all of us. The pearl, the li- his life and, and eternity with God. God's favor is worth more than, than the wealth we've accumulated on earth. It's, it's worth more than the wealth that we're going to accumulate for the rest of our lives. That pearl of God's favor, the gospel, the miracle of salvation. It's worth far more than our wealth, far more than the money we could ever accumulate. Jesus would have us find the worth of his treasure and be willing to put money aside, put religion aside, put all things aside, and come and follow him, just like he asked this man here in the story that we're talking about today, and then receive the favor of his salvation. The favor of his salvation. So I'm going to have a, a, a moment of prayer here as we finish up. And, and I'd like for each of us to, to close our eyes and, and to think about what we treasure the most. And, and for some of us, we, we need to think about even before that. Have I received this treasure of God's favor, this treasure of his salvation, this thing that's going to fill that spot in my heart, that I'm going to be assured of my eternity. I'm going to be assured of of God's love for me. I'm going to be assured of his favor over me because I'm submitting humbly to him 
I'm coming to the table to receive his favor, his salvation. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, for those here who, who have never come to the table of your favor, who have never come to the table, table of your salvation, Father, I pray, Lord, now that you would talk to their hearts, Father, that you would speak to them, that you would show them the great favor that you have for them as they humbly submit to you, to your lordship, as the God of our lives, the God of the universe. Father, I pray that you would give them courage to humbly submit, to become Jesus followers, to forsake all the the scrambling after money, all the scrambling after possessions that we do, and trust in you and follow you. And Lord, for the rest of us, Lord, I pray that that you would help us discover the answer to that question. What do I treasure most? What is it I treasure most? Lord, have us think, if we were that rich young man kneeling before Jesus, what would we do? Would we walk away sad? Father, rearrange our priorities. Rearrange our priorities so that we wouldn't walk away sad. That we would say, Jesus, I submit it all to you because I trust you, because you're trustworthy. Because you're faithful and you're true. Lord Jesus, I pray that as we finish, that you would cover us with your love. That, Father, that, that your love would cover us, Father, that, that, that we would know that we're free, that God's favor is upon us. And, Lord, that all we need to do is come to the table. We need to catch the wave of God's favor. Remind us of that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you all for being here today. It's been a great day. And just remember, God's favor is upon you. He wants his very best for you. He wants his very best for you. Amen. Amen. We're going to have some folks down front. If you want prayer, maybe you didn't come down earlier, or or maybe that uh, you've never discovered God's favor. You've never been to the the table of salvation. That you can come and and they'll be happy to speak with you and and talk with you and help you as you kind of process through what that means. It's very simple. There's nothing hard. And you don't have to come to these folks in order to receive Jesus' salvation. But they're here to help you, to reassure you, to guide you in any way that you might have. Otherwise, we're dismissed. There is a, a, a short meeting afterwards Uh, regarding the picnic planning. If you want to stay for that, anyone's invited if they want to help out planning our picnic. Otherwise, have an awesome day and an awesome week. We love you guys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 